in a series called Come and See. And the whole, the whole concept is basically around um, how do we become more like Jesus Christ? Our goal is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And so we ask the question, if our goal is to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, and what was Jesus like? How did he live his life? And so we're in this series, and when I think about the life of Christ, um, it may, makes me reflect on my own life. And what does it mean to become actually more like Him? And when I think about that, I start to process through um, the things that I do every single day. I, I process through my life a lot. And I think, what's important to me? What, what is really, really important to you, to me? What really, really matters? And what are some things that I'm pursuing? What are some goals that I have that really don't matter? The things that were, that are basically wasting my time. Because each of us, I don't care if you're the pastor or you're a person in the congregation, you're in church for the first time. If you live in this world, you'll be pulled into all the things the world say that really matters. And you wake up one day and that's where middle life crises come from, right? Wait, this is not working out the way I thought it was going to work out. And so you have to ask yourself, what really matters? And am I pursuing goals that really are a waste of my time? To me, self-reflection is something that I really strive um, for every single day. To be able to self-reflect. And the other thing that is a goal of mine in my life, first, okay, I have to look into my own heart a lot and say, okay, Lord, what are some things in my life that need to change? Is my perspective on this right or wrong? Is that other person trying to see things from another person's perspective? And so self-reflection. And another goal that I have is to really have an eternal perspective, to look at life with an eternal perspective, not with a temporal perspective, because if I do that, I get caught up in all the little things that honestly don't really matter. And I'm stressed out all the time about the things that don't really matter. I mean, how many of us sit around, I stop doing this, watching the news too much and getting sucked up into things that really honestly, most of them, good to be aware of what's going on around you, but every little detail of someone's opinion about what's going on around you just causes a lot of stress. So we need to be able to self-reflect. That should be a goal. And we need to look at the world, life, our lives, your life, my life, from an eternal perspective. Try to understand it that way. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, it says this, The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labor at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The the wind blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea. I think this is funny. The sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its full of hearing. 
What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before time, our time. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. Let's pray. Aren't you all depressed? No. <laughs> You're like, wow, man, I thought he was going to come and give us some encouragement. <laughs> Gotta love Solomon. Okay. But here's the point. Here's the point. I'm just kind of, I recently heard a speaker, really, really excellent speaker. And uh, he was talking about his ministry and he was talking about um, all that he had done throughout his life. He was probably in his late 60s, early 70s, in his 70s. And he was talking about all the things he had done in his ministry and all the things that he had done to build the kingdom of God. Not bragging. It was not bragging. He was just sharing his heart. And he was talking about all these things that were going on. And two things really struck me as I listened to him. Two things struck me. Number one. He lived a faithful life. And one day he will stand before God, okay, and be recognized as a man who really honored Jesus Christ with his life. He really did. He honored Christ with his life. That's the first thing that struck me. And number two, he was quoting people, okay, he was quoting people, and he was, and he was, he was talking about men and women who were very dynamic, who I remember, but honestly, as I was looking around the room at the age of the people in the room, most people in that room would not remember the people he was talking about and he was quoting. They may have maybe heard the, a few of the names, but some of it, they would not have remembered the people he was talking about. As he talked about people who were, honestly, 20 to 30 years ago, best-selling authors. Many of you have read their books, right? So he's talking about these people who 20 or 30 years ago were best-selling authors or these amazing speakers or these amazing teachers. I could just see, I looked around the room and people's eyes were just glazing over. And I'm thinking, no, you guys don't understand who he's, who he's talking about here. I mean, these people were, these people were something in their day. And this was only a few years ago. Most of these people are still alive. But their eyes were just, you could just see people's eyes just kind of glaze over. How quickly we forget the, the rich, the famous, the powerful. I mean, think about how quickly we forget those people. It reminded me once again of what really matters. I'm sitting there thinking to myself, you know, here are these people, and I'm not saying it was wrong. They were great folks, but they're forgotten by most people. They're completely forgotten by most people. We are only powerful, honestly. We're only rich. We're only famous. This is what went through my mind. We're only in that genre, if you will, for in this, if you talk about eternity for a moment, for the blink of an eye. James says it's like your life is like a vapor. Here today, gone tomorrow. So you have to ask yourself, what is important? What's really important? I was watching TV the other day, and you know, you're watching like a, a like a, a some, whatever show, a movie on TV, and all of a sudden you think, wait, I've seen that person before. They're older, but you know, I recognize them. And this guy was in this movie or this TV show, and I was like, wait, I, I know who that is, and I couldn't figure it out, and it was really bothering me. So I went online, I looked him up. 
And I found out he was a really famous actor in the 70s and 80s. Now doing some minor role, some bit part on a made-for-TV movie. I couldn't even remember his name. I knew, I, I knew I'd seen him before. But he was all the rage in 1970s and 80s, right? This guy was popular. He was in all the magazine covers. And I couldn't even remember who he was in 2019. And he's doing some small role on some made-for-TV movie. Again, it, it made me reflect on how we chase after things that don't last. We spend so much of our lives chasing after things that do not last. So many give up so much for so little. So many people give up so much for so little. Here in Ecclesiastes, with most of his life behind him... Solomon reflects on his experiences from birth to death. That's what he's doing. He's stepping back as an old man now and he's reflecting on his life from birth to death and looking at all these things. He looks at, he's basically looking at the mad pursuit, the mad pursuit of the things of this world, the things this world has to offer and, and how we strive after these things. Living, he's saying, as if somehow we could master those things by our efforts. Somehow we can master this world. We can be in control of this world by our efforts. And he's saying that's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Here's the thing for if you're a little younger, if you think if you think that you're in control, life will soon teach you otherwise. If you're younger here thinking, yeah, I got the tiger, I got things in control. If you think you're in control, life will soon teach you otherwise. We are not in control. We are not in control of our own lives as opposed to everybody else's life or the world around us. We have to focus on what is most important if that is true. Solomon sees people. He sees people basically vainly chasing after desires and expectations that are in his words a chasing after the wind. You're running after these things like chasing after the wind. It goes this way, then it goes this way, then it goes that way. And you're run, you look like a fool running around in a circle in the middle of a field chasing after the wind. Why do we spend our time in such endeavors is basically what he's saying. And he comes to realize that God has ordered things according to his own purposes and that if we accept, if we accept that reality, God has ordained things according to His purposes, and that if we choose to accept that reality, we will find true meaning to our lives. He's not saying that life is completely meaningless. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. Basically what he's saying throughout the entire book, it's meaningless if you're pursuing it outside of, okay, the will and purposes of God. If you're living your life to honor Jesus Christ, if, you're, if your goal is to conform to the image of Jesus Christ, to become more like God, if that's your goal, life is not meaningless. But if you're just chasing things around and God is not the center of it all, it's completely and utterly and totally meaningless. Why do you think so many people, when they, they deny God, and they don't, they don't want to talk about it anymore, they don't want to think about it anymore? Because a life without God is completely without purpose. It is completely without meaning. Things that we, words that we use, okay, have no substance or meaning to them without God. That's wrong. This is right. Why do you use words like right and wrong? Why do good and evil? 
If there's no God, if there's no God, there is no right or wrong, good or evil. Because in order for there to be right or wrong, good and evil, there needs to be a moral law that determines what's right and wrong, good and evil. And if you have a moral law, you have to have a moral law giver. If you take the moral law giver out, you take the moral law out, you don't have right and wrong, so you're using words that don't even make any sense. They're meaningless. Our very words, our very existence becomes meaningless without the existence of God. If God, according to Solomon, is not the center of our lives, then everything we're pursuing, everything we're doing, is completely a chasing after the wind. He comes to realize that God has ordered all these things, and that is what brings meaning to life. In his old age, in his old age, he, he understands that life if not centered on God, okay, is purposeless, is meaningless. But if it is centered on God, it is the very definition of meaningful. If your life is centered on God and the things that you do in your life are centered on God and you think about God when you're doing them, that is the very definition of meaningful, of having a life filled with purpose. So there's good news here. If you're following after, if you're conforming to the image of Christ, if you're trying to become more like Him, then everything you do, if you do it to the glory of God, everything you do, eating a meal. I've joked about this before. You go to Graders, right? The first time I ever went to Graders, I moved from, moved from, moved around New York to Florida to Massachusetts, came to Cincinnati, and I'm just saying, New York, the food is different, okay? It's, it's better. And, in, in, in a lot of ways. It's just, you know, there's, there's not a lot, like, you know, you say, oh, we have Skyline. Okay, I like Skyline, but it's, come on, let's not get carried away. Um, but then you go, then I, and, I, and I thought, though, we have this great ice cream. I'm like, oh, you have great, we have great ice cream. I love Cincinnati. I love Ohio. I would never move anywhere else. This is home, baby. I've been here longer than any other place I've ever lived. This is home for me. So I went, I was like, ah, ice cream, some ice cream. What do you, you know, you guys are always talking about ribs and graters. I mean, you know. and so I went to graters and I sat down and had the first time I had black raspberry chip ice cream. I was like, oh my God. I, I worshiped the Lord God in heaven. I literally did. I said, Lord, you gave someone the wisdom, the knowledge, the, the grandeur to make the... Oh, every bite was like... I, I, and I was like, six years. I got it six years after I lived here. I regret it. Like, I could have been eating this for six years. But my pride would not allow me because I said, well, how good can it be? Not knowing that God could work in Ohio on ice cream. And he did. I worship, the, you can, whatever you do, you can do it to the glory of God. Josh caught a salmon, okay, when we went fishing, we were in Alaska and, and, Cal, and, and uh, in uh, Canada and around that area, he caught a salmon. We brought it home, you have not eaten the salmon until you've actually caught it yourself. It was like, you have got to be kidding me. I don't know about you, I can worship God watching the Olympics, Seeing someone do something awesome. I can worship God when someone cooks something amazing. Okay? Because they were creating the image of God and God gave them that ability. Everything we do, that's my point is, everything can be meaningful, everything can be purposeful if it's done to the glory of God. And that's what Solomon is saying here. Most people sacrifice the things that matter, okay, to chase after the things that don't. We sacrifice the things that matter to chase after the things that don't. I've talked about this before, but I think it's fitting in this context. 
If you know me, you know I'm not a big, big fan of Solomon. All right? When we get to heaven, we'll all get along, whatever. But right now, it, it, you know, he wrote so much. And it's in the inspired word of God. So it is so purposeful and so meaningful for my life. But personally, eh, Solomon's not my favorite guy. Um, I have a problem with people who live their entire lives and fulfill every one of their, every one of their desires, temptations, whatever else. You know, they just do it all. And then they step back at the end of their lives and tell, tell everybody else after they've done it all, been with everyone. Taken, eaten, drink, drunk, and whatever, whatever was available, they did. And then they come at the end and say, "Meaningless, meaningless. Everything. You know what I mean? It's like I, I got a better, I got a better trail for you. I got a better thought for all of us. All right. How about we live our lives backward? Instead of me getting up here and saying, I'll tell you what, until like two years ago, I did everything you could possibly do. Let me tell you all, sleeping with those 65 women and doing drinking, drink, getting wasted every night and going over here, it's, it, it didn't work. It, it's not something you should be involved in. Take it from me. I did it all. Okay, well, that's a value. Here's something of more value. How about you decide, okay, how about you project your life forward You live your life backwards by projecting your life forward and deciding, okay, deciding who you want to be. Who do you, when you're laying on your deathbed, who do you want to be for your children, for your grandchildren, for your great-grandchildren, for for the people around you? Who do you want, who do you want them to see? Who do you personally want to be in your life? Decide what matters, okay? Decide for yourself right now. Project yourself in the future and say, I want to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. What does that look like for me to be holy? Be holy as I am holy. Overcome those temptations. Fight through those desires that are not good desires. Follow after me. Follow my word. Okay, project yourself forward and then figure out to yourself what truly matters and then live the life that gets you to that goal starting now. Project it forward and start living your life that way now. And for the Christian, Jesus already laid all of this out for us. Okay, he laid it all out. In Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40, he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? They said, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So Jesus pretty much laid out what we should be like in the future. So if I live my life now, if I'm, if I'm saying, okay, that's what I, I live my life. Come on back now. This is who I want to be. This is what I want to do. This is what Christ called me to. Then I have to live my life, set my goals, set my expectations. Okay, lay my life out in order to achieve what Jesus said is the most important thing. Because don't I, isn't he my Lord? Isn't he the Lord? Don't I bow my knee to him? Isn't he the one that tells me how to live my life? The answer is yes. So what you want to do is you want to think about what really counts, what really matters. Family. Okay, your friends, loving other people, defending those who can't defend themselves, theme throughout the entire Bible, right? Loving the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. Being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Those are the things that really matter. And then what you want to do is you want to pursue those things with all of your might. With all of your might. Here's, there's my goal. Honestly, there's my goal. I want to be like Christ. Okay? That's who I want to be like. 
So then I live my life, Jesus already laid out what's most important, I live my life to accomplish that goal. Because anything else I do, anything else I try, sidetrack, Solomon is exactly right. Meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless. It has no purpose. Pursue the goal of loving God and loving others in every single area of your life. At work, at school, at home, when you're on the field, when you're on vacation. You pursue that goal in every area of your life. Every interaction that you have. Is that hard? Yes, it is. Sure it is. Are we going to fall short? Sure we are. But at least we have the goal in mind. At least we have the goal in mind. And we try to become more like Christ. But that's our goal. Everything else, okay, everything else, not important. Now, if it's not done to the glory of God, here's the thing, you have to understand. If what you're doing is not done to the glory of God, it's an illusion. All the, all the feelings that you get about purpose, is, oh, this brings such whatever, it's an illusion. It's not only an illusion, it's a trap. Not only is it a trap, it's a hamster wheel. You're just like the hamster running on the... You ever had those habit trails when you were small? That, that, that dopey hamster would run on that thing. It didn't go anywhere. But it thought it was getting somewhere. It was happy. Boy, look at me. I'm just going, going, going. It is a waste It is a waste of your time and your energy. When we pursue the world's priorities, here's the thing, you know this too. When you pursue the world's priorities, they never seem to satisfy, do they? Right? How many, how many men and women, great men and women, okay, in this world have gotten to the top of what they were striving for and when they got there, they said, there's nothing here. I think I talked about it last week, the week before. It's like, okay, so they get to the pinnacle of their career in music or they get to the pinnacle of their career and they end up dying. They end up killing themselves. How could that be? They have everything everybody else is striving for. They have fame. They have power. They have all this money. They have everything the world offers them and then they're depressed. They're miserable. They want to kill themselves. How is that? Without reading Ecclesiastes, they pretty much understood it. Once they got there, there was nothing there. It was meaningless, meaningless. Everything is meaningless. If you ask them, that's what they would say. Because it's all just completely and utterly meaningless. What we pursue that the world offers us doesn't satisfy. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 10 says, Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Let me ask you a question. Simple question. If you woke up tomorrow, okay, early in the morning, was still dark out, and your house, your house was on fire, what would you grab first? Think about it. What would, you, what would you grab first? What would you make sure that you saved? Okay? House is on fire. You can't think. Okay, what would you make sure you grab first? What would you make sure that you save? Last year, there were terrible fires in California. I mean, remember that? Just terrible fires all over California. People didn't have time to think. And so what they did was they ran and they grabbed what was most important to them. They grabbed hold of what mattered most and they ran. They ran. And the, the, and what was the first thing they thought about when they woke up and their house was on fire? What was the first thing that, that they were worried about when they woke up and their house was on fire? It's simple. The people in it. 
I don't, I don't know any stories. Do you know of any stories of people grabbing a big flat screen TV and running out? Oh, I gotta save my flat screen TV. <laughs> it's like, you know, when your house is on fire, you, when you, it, it's, it's simple. Understand what I'm saying. It's a simple question. When my house is on fire, okay, and I wake up, what is most important to me? What do I grab first? What will I save and risk my own life to save? I doubt anyone here is thinking, oh man, that whatever in that drawer, blah, blah, blah. No. What was the first thing? People. If your house is on fire, it's people. I, th- I thought about this this morning as I was kind of going over my sermon. Okay. When you're born and you're a child, what do you, do you depend on what? Your parents, right? People. You, de- you have to depend on people. When you get older, pr- for all of us, that's for all of us in this room, you believe, believe it or not, okay, it'll come in pretty quick. When you get older, who, what are you going to depend on? People. When you're older, and I, I think about this, I, I, got, I had some real, I had some kidney stones. I, I was coming back from Mexico. I won't get into this story, but I, I was wheeled into, um, it was wheeled into the hospital. And um, as I'm as I'm checking in, I've got my daughter Kim, my daughter Jen, my wife Deb, Josh. He was like, oh, "Why is Dad whining?" Um, <laughs> Got to have girls first, man. Make sure you're okay. No, I'm kidding. He was fine. He was he was really little. Um, so you know, I had my and, and the lady asked me at the counter, which I thought was hysterical. I really don't go to the hospital a lot. She said, "Do you feel safe at home?" Now you have to understand. Kim is rubbing my head, okay? Jen's rubbing my feet. Deb's rubbing my back when I'm sitting there. And she asked me, you feel safe at home? I actually said, is that a trick question? Like I, because what matters when I'm older? I could project myself at 90 years old and seriously, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. When we're born and when we're young, we need the people around us. When we're older, okay, when we get older and we can no longer really fend for ourselves, we're going to need the people around us. So my question to you is, another simple question, what matters in the middle of young and old? People. Relationships. Your relationship with God, your relationship with other people. It's really, it's really, really simple. See, when you're dying, and name me one person that you've ever heard of when they're dying, called for their portfolio, okay, or their trophies, or their diplomas. Bring me my diplomas. I just want to see them one more time. Right? Because seriously, the things don't matter anymore. And honestly, they, they matter now because you obviously want to achieve things in life. I'm not saying they're insignificant. Outside of Christ, they're insignificant. But when we are, when push comes to shove, we're not crying out, calling out for our trophies, our diplomas, or our portfolios. So here's my question for us this morning, you know, as we keep going here. Um, if I, how many people believe that I'm right so far when I'm talking about? Raise your hand if you think I'm right. Okay, for the most part, you think I'm right. All right, a couple of things I said about the Grater's ice cream, whatever. You didn't think, you, know, you weren't sure about that. <laughs> you never felt in your knees or anything, but you wanted to, though. You know you did, but you were in the restaurant, so you don't want to look weird. But um, you know I'm right. Okay, so my question is, if you know that I'm right, then why do we do? Why do we live the opposite? Like everyone here would agree that I'm right. What I just said to you is absolutely right. So if I'm right, then why don't we live that? Why do we live the opposite? Why do we spend so much of our time chasing after things that don't matter, guys? 
Why do we spend so much time worrying about, chasing it? You know, students now are so consumed with someone like something that they put on Facebook or they, whatever they, you know, whatever it is now, if you're not, if it's not liked, it's like, it, it, it's causing, they have, now there, there's actually diseases now that people are saying, oh, there's disease that students have because, or people in general have because they don't feel, if people don't respond, it's, it, it, they, they, we chase after things that don't matter. So I thought to myself, maybe reflecting on the story of Jesus going to the house of Mary and Martha for just a moment would help us in this area. It's a very simple story because it basically focuses on what really matters. So in Luke chapter 10, I'm not going to read all this. You, most of you know the story and I'll give you the gist of it. But in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42, Jesus visits Mary and Martha in their home. Okay, so... When, when, whatever Mary was doing at the time Jesus came into the room, she stopped doing. The moment he came in, the moment Jesus was there, Mary ceased all of her other actions and she sat at the feet of Jesus and listened to him. Just clung on to him. Being around Jesus Christ was the most important thing to her, right? Not so with Martha. She continued to do what she was already doing. She was busy. She had things, man, she was going. She was getting things ready. Jesus is coming over. I got things to do. She just kept on going. Question is, what does that say about Martha? What does it say about Mary? What's important? Okay, what's the most important thing here? What does the story say about Mary? And what does the story say about Martha? In in H. Jackson Brown Jr.'s book, Live and Learn and Pass It On, a 64-year-old man said this, I've learned that how you do your work is a portrait of yourself how you do your work is a portrait of yourself so I want you to close your eyes just for a second and I want you to self-reflect and ask yourself this question what portrait of me is being painted by the way I work by the activities of my life what portrait of me is being painted by the way that I work a little self-reflection Okay, so Samuel, Samuel Butler wrote this. I thought this was fascinating. Work with some is as besetting a sin as idleness with others. Work for some is as besetting of a sin as idleness is for others. Let that sink in for a second. Those lazy bums. Okay, that's true. Sometimes people are lazy bums. But he's got a point there. Work with some is as besetting a sin as idleness with others. Martha worked like so many of us. She was working for Christ. She's working for him, okay? She's really working hard for him without, though, being truly Christ-centered. She was working for him, but she wasn't centered. Her activities were not centered on Christ, Martha may have been diligent, but she missed the whole point. She missed the whole point of what was going on here. She she worked relentlessly to do everything right, but then never did the right thing. That makes sense? She worked relentlessly to do everything right, okay, but failed to do the right thing. She didn't do what was right. She, she, she didn't know how to, how to draw the line. Honestly, she didn't know how to draw the line on her own activities. 
question to you, self-reflection. Do you? Do you know how to draw the line on your own activities? Or are you just, you are so caught up that you are so stressed out. You're going, doing, doing, getting your, you get your kids involved in everything. You're involved in everything and you have no room to breathe. And you, I say, read the word of God. When? Spend some time. Be still and know that I am God. When? Sit back and ask God, God, what do you want? When? When would you do that? Are you in control of your own schedule? That's the question. Are you in control of your own schedule? In the grand scheme of things, Martha, what she was doing, those things were meaningless, according to Solomon, according to the Word of God. They were meaningless. I, I, I was reading, I was reading, and I, I came across this. Have you, ever, have you ever heard of Parkinson's Law? Here's what it states. Work expands to fill every, every, whatever time has been allotted to complete it. Let me say that again. Work expands to fill whatever time has been allotted to complete it. Work expands, work expands to fill whatever time has been allotted to complete it. So if we, we, we can just fill up our time, it's just a law. And it, I'll tell you, I, I agree with what he's saying here. Martha saw so much that needed to be done and she allowed her work to completely control her schedule. And it's something that we all have to work on. We have to work on that. We cannot allow all these things that are going on to control our schedule so we have no time for God. You know, because we, you know, we often, we're just being honest and we're self-reflecting here. We often do the exact same thing. We worry and we chase after things that don't matter. We look back at students sometimes as adults and we keep, we, we laugh at them. Honey, that's not even gonna matter. That person's not even gonna matter in a couple of years. They're not gonna, we say that to our children and we say that to the people around us. I find it fascinating how we know the truth to tell other people, but we can't tell ourselves the same truth. That's what, that's why I said in the very beginning, I, I have a goal that I, I try to self-reflect. Self-reflection. Don't just tell other people. When I, I preach this sermon to myself way before I preach it to you. And there are times that I get up here, I'm just honest with you. I say, I, I've been, I'm, I'm getting there. And I, this is one, I'm getting there. I've worked really hard on this one, and I am getting there. Really hard. Looking at life and saying, why, would I, why am I going to get on a plane and fly all the way somewhere to go speak somewhere, or go do this, or go do that, or run around trying to... Why, does it build the kingdom of God and what he's called me to do? No, no, sorry, I'm not doing that. Does it affect your lives, affect the lives of this community, affect the lives that what we've been called to do by God through what we call this church, Grace Chapel? Does it build the kingdom of God? Does this, does this have impact on the kingdom of God? And you self-reflect. Am I going out there to speak so I get to speak in front of a whole bunch of people and they all say, yeah, that was really good. What's the point of that? Maybe I helped a few people, but the time that I spent out there could be better spent here. So I'll do some things, but they have to fit into what I've already decided in my heart and my mind and what God has helped me to realize what's important to do right now with the time you give me right now. Self-reflection is really important. See, we sacrifice time with God to pursue activities that don't have eternal value. And that's what I'm saying. I'm not going to sacrifice time with God or time with you to, to pursue activities. I could fill my schedule with speaking activities, okay? 
But they may not have the, 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 the they, may be, they may be good, but there's things that are better. I'd rather do the better things than the good things. I'd rather do great things than good things. What's great? What's the best thing? That's what I want to do with my time. Because we end up pursuing things honestly, that, the activities that don't have eternal value. Listen now, hear me out. Walk me through this, okay? We sacrifice time with our families. I've heard people say this. We will sacrifice time with our families, working extra hour, trying to reach certain goals so that we can get to the point where we can spend more time with our families. Let us sink in. Project yourself into the future, my friends, and what you're going to do is you're going to realize... What we choose to give up while we're trying to achieve that success are the very things that we should be striving, okay, we should be striving to put first place in our lives. We say, well, if I go do this and if I make this and I go that, then I'll be able to do this with my, with the people that I really love. We'll be able, and we, and so we sacrifice what we should be striving for to reach goals that maybe we shouldn't be striving for. Let me close. I'm going to close out this morning by reading you a story. There was a businessman sitting on a beach in a small Brazilian village. As he sat, he saw a fisherman rowing a small boat toward the shore, having caught quite a few fish. The businessman was impressed and he asked the fisherman, how long did it take you to catch that many fish? The fisherman replied, ah, just a short while. Then why don't you stay longer at sea and catch more fish? This is enough to feed my whole family and share with those in need, the fisherman said. Then the businessman asked, so what do you do with the rest of your day? The fisherman replied, well, I usually wake up early in the morning and I I go out to sea. I, I catch my fish and then I go back and play with my kids. In the afternoon, I relax with my wife and we spend time together. When evening comes, I enjoy my friends in the village and share stories and play the guitar and we sing together. The businessman offered a suggestion to the fisherman. I'm a Ph.D. in business management. I could help you achieve your goals. From now on, you should spend more time at sea and try to catch as many fish as possible. When you have saved enough money, you could buy a bigger boat and catch even more fish. Soon you'll be able to afford to buy more boats, set up your own company, your own production plant for canned food and in your distribution network. By then, you will have moved out of the village into the city where you can set up your headquarters to manage your other branches. The fisherman asked, and after that? The businessman laughed heartily. Well, after that, you can, you can live like a king in your own house. And when, you have the, when the time is right, you can go public and float your shares in the stock exchange and you'll be rich. And the fisherman said, and after that? The business said, after that, you can finally retire and you can move to a house by a fishing village, wake up early in the morning, catch a few fish, then return home and play with your kids, have a relaxing day with your wife. And when evening comes, you can join your friends and share stories, play the guitar and sing together. The fisherman just smiled. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14 says this. Now all has been heard. Here's the, here's the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep His commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. 
For God will bring every deed into judgment, whether, including, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are and for your truth. This is hard, Lord. It is, this is really hard. Because we struggle with what, 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 what does matter in our schedule and how, how do we figure all that out and how many activities should my kids be involved in? How many kids should, how many activities should I be involved in? What's, what is, what is meaningful and what's not meaningful? And, and so we struggle with all this, Lord. We pray that you give us wisdom. We pray that you would give us discernment. We pray that you would give us courage once we figure out, once you've helped us figure out, Lord God, what needs to be done. We pray that you give us courage to do it. To go to some people and say, I'm sorry, I can't do this anymore. It doesn't fit my schedule. Or have the courage to say, no. Father, most of what we're doing, most of the people in this room and what they're doing isn't a sin. But Lord God, I pray that you would help us. You would show us that whatever we do, whenever we do it, however we do it, why ever we do it, Lord, it would be to your glory. That whether we're playing a sport, whether we're going to work, whether we're going to school, whether we're at home, whether we're on vacation, whether we're eating ice cream, whether we're, whatever it is, Lord God, we do it to your glory. Because if we do it to your glory, it will be meaningful. Help us, Lord. Help us to know the right things to do with the time that you've given. This is our most precious commodity is our time. Help us, God. We can't do this alone. Help us to know your will for our lives and may we follow that will. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for this time that we can spend together laughing and learning. In Jesus' precious and holy name, we pray it. Amen.